Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Last week, we talked about relational health. Next week, Pastor Keith is going to be teaching about mental health. Today, I want to talk about spiritual health. And I want to start with a recent conversation I had with my doctor. I remember going to my doctor, it was an annual kind of checkup. You know those, you know what I'm talking about, men, those annual checkups that you do every 10 years or something. Uh, but, but so I went for this and he asked a series of questions. He asked this, what are you eating? And I thought, you just weighed me, you know what I was eating. <laughs> uh, what are you doing for exercise? How are you coping with stress? How do you sleep? Now, it struck me, as he was asking these questions, I was thinking, years ago, my doctor never asked me these questions. My doctor basically said, what can I do for you? How, how are you? You know, in other words, what pill do you need right now? And I realized the whole healthcare system has changed. Have you noticed this? That it becomes what these questions are more preventative than restorative. These are trying to prevent because they know our eating, our exercise, managing stress and sleep is key to our physical long-term health. So it's a difference between prevention and care. So care is what we need when we're in a health crisis. Everybody needs care when a health crisis. Sometimes it's a crisis of our own making. Sometimes it's the stuff that happens to us in life. We have an accident. We need care. But also with health, when it comes to prevention, it, prevention is what is needed to avoid a lot of health crises. Some are unavoidable. They happen to us. But many crises in life are avoidable and we don't even need to get to that care stage. So talk about the church of Jesus Christ. The church always needs to be able to provide care. Why? Because at some point in your life, you're going to need it. We all have crises that come up to at us, and we need a place that is providing care and support and encouragement and prayer. That's something that the church always has to be about, but it shouldn't be what we're all about. We should also be about equipping people to be spiritually healthy so they can be preventative. So they, some of the crises we might be able to minimize in our life. Now, there's two barriers, and I'm going to invite you. You got some message notes on your way in. Uh, if you're online, uh, they're going to provide a link in the chat room. But I would really encourage you to follow along. I am teaching today. Uh, so sometimes there's a, people talk about the difference between preaching and teaching. I'm teaching. I'm hoping that everyone in this room, I'm going to let you know up front, I'm going to require some participation today. But I'm hoping that we're going to help everybody grow spiritually healthier because of this gathering. So there's two barriers for us growing spiritually healthy. The first is that we have an improper motivation. An improper motivation. Okay, so let me give you an example. What motivates you to change? Every gathering, someone had the right answer. There's a lot of pressure on you now, 1115. What, what pro motivates you to actually change in this life? Pain, perfect. 
Pain is one of the best motivators for change in this life. This is why even in the sports industry, there's a little pithy saying in athletics, they'll say, no pain? pain. Yeah, no pain, no gain. And so many of us, we build a spiritual life on pain and crisis. So here's what you need to know to understand this message. Your spiritual health has everything to do with your relationship with Jesus. And if your spiritual relationship with Jesus is only based on pain moments, you feel close to him when you're in trouble. You feel you need him and want him when you're in a crisis. If that's the only thing, it's not a healthy, normal relationship, right? Have you ever been in a relationship with someone and they love drama? And if there's no drama, they'll create the drama. And some of us are in that kind of relationship with God. You know, we're with him when there's drama, And we haven't learned to run a normal relationship where there's healthy rhythms to it. It's not always here, but it's not always there. It's just, it's a normal relationship. What if you could change your motivational juice from no gain, no pain to this one, no gain, less pain. Preventative in nature that you could know gain through some of the things we're going to share today and you experience less pain. That could be an incredible change for you. It's like, it's like these items. Do you know what this is? Thank you. Toothbrush. This is my toothbrush. I made sure I replaced it before I brought it up here because, you know, sometimes the toothbrush you've had too long. Yeah. Uh, you know what this is? Toothpaste. See, you guys are doing great. Do you know what this is? Do you use it? Yeah, right you do. Come on. I know your dentist. You're like me. When you go that for the checkup, you're getting the cleaning. You extra brush, extra floss. You do everything you can. Why? Because there's nothing like dental shame. When you're sitting in there and going, and you say, oh yeah, I floss regularly and your gums are bleeding. And they're like, yeah, we know better. Uh, but here's the interesting thing about these three products. I did the math on it. That for the lifespan of your average toothbrush, what it should be, and the toothpaste and the floss, it prevents, preventatively, it costs you about 10 cents a day. 10 cents a day to maintain healthy teeth. But, but you know that it's hard to do every day, and there's parts of it that are hard to do because it requires a habit, a discipline. And so we would rather pay the restorative cost than the preventative cost. And the average filling's about $200. And if you got to get a root canal, it's like $500. And then they tell you you got to get a cap on it, and it's like another $500. And some of us would rather pay in pain and lots of money than we would 10 cents a day and a little bit of discipline. Now, there's a reason why it's struggling for us. Don't feel bad, because you know what? We're all there in some area of our life. It's not just an improper understanding. We also have, or improper motivation, we also have an improper understanding of how health is built in our life, how it's built in our life. We're gonna see it from the Apostle Paul in just a minute. See, the problem is we don't understand what it takes to get healthier. In fact, I have someone who's our guest. He's coming in right now. Would you come in? Progress is here today. This is progress. Can you say hi to everyone, progress? Now, do you love progress? Come on out front, progress. Get a little closer. Do you guys love progress? How many would like to have some financial progress this year? Yeah. How many would like to have some relational progress? How many would like to have some spiritual progress this year? Anyone for some physical progress this year? I mean, we love you, progress. I want you to know 
we are glad you're here. I want you to come to every gathering we have, don't you? Don't you hope at your Christmas gathering with your family, you hope progress comes here? You want progress in your life. You need progress in your life. But, but there is another guest we have here, and it's, it's change. Change, we're, we're sometimes glad you're here. Like, we love you. We don't want you to feel bad, but, you know, we don't always want change coming to our house, do we? You don't want change showing up at work, do you? Yeah, you feel a little anxiety when change comes. You don't want change to show up in, in a lot of things in our life. And so we want progress. We love you. Great to have you here. But, but change, you know, only when things are really bad do we want you. We, when we're in pain, we're glad you show up. You know, you're like the CAA. Come in when our car is broke down. We love change to change our tire. Here's the problem in life, though, when it comes to health. Change and progress are inextricably connected. And you can't separate them. And here's the problem. I want relational change. And if you know, if you're single and you're looking, you want relational change. And so you say, I want progress. I want progress. But I don't want change. But if I've always done what I've always done, I'll always get what I've always gotten. I want spiritual progress in my life, but, but change, I don't want you to have to be here. You know, I want this, but I don't want change. Come on, come on, just let go, let go. But this is not how health works. Every area of your life that you need health in changes your friend. Change leads to progress. Can you thank Change and Progress for coming today? Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. So that leads to the spiritual truth. You can't have progress without change. So some of the things I'm going to talk about today are going to require change for you in order to make progress so that you can be a healthier version of yourself. Now here, we're going to look at the words of the Apostle Paul, because he helps us with this. Great understanding. So let's look at this Bible verse found in Timothy. Every time you see a highlighted word, I'd like you to say it out loud with me, okay? I told you, there's a little participation required today. So here's what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, spend your and in the exercise of keeping. Okay, did you pick this up? It's going to cost us something. Oh, there's a cost to spiritual health. Yeah, there's a cost. Time and energy is required to be spiritually fit. He goes on to say, bodily exercise is right, is all right, but spiritual exercise is more important and is a tonic for? In other words, we're talking about relational, mental health. We could be talking about uh, physical health. We're going to be praying for it tonight. But of all the healths, this is the one that has the trickle-down effect. Spiritual health will help you with everything. Every area of your life, it has influence in it. He goes on to say this. So, yeah, you didn't want to say that, did you? So exercise yourself spiritually in being a better Christian because that will help you not only in this life, but in the So in other words, physical health, all of these things are really good for you. And it benefits you in this life. But this is the one health that will benefit you in this life and the next life. And this word practice that he uses is a little Greek word that means habits, rituals, or routines. And he's saying, 
You need to build in your life habits, rituals, and routines that will lead to greater health. We know this. We already know this stuff. We know it with physical health, it has to do with moving and consuming, right? You, you know, you, know you, can't, you can't go to McDonald's this afternoon and get a, a Big Mac combo with a Coke Zero and think somehow there's some sort of like neutralizing of all the toxicity that just went into your body. We know that, right? We know we are what we consume and we are what we do. And so exercise and consuming is really important for physical health. The same for spiritual health. Spiritual health has to do with moving, exercising your faith. Exercising your faith and consuming, feeding your faith. Feeding your faith. See, if you go on YouTube this afternoon and you put in, I don't know what it'll be, but uh, you, you can notice with arm wrestlers, there's people online who have exercised one arm and not the other arm. It's hilarious looking. They look like Hulk from this end, and they look like me from this end. And it looks out of balance. There's not one physical exercise that will make you totally healthy. There's a series of ones for different parts of your body, right? There's not one spiritual exercise that will make you healthy. Some of us, the only habit or exercise we have in our life is maybe attending a gathering like this. And that's good, you'll hear in a moment, but it's not enough, it's not enough. There's not one superfood that changes everything. It's good food that changes everything. And it's the same for us spiritually. So I'm gonna give you some habits, we're gonna motor through them. Are you ready to roll? Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. Build a strong foundation on God's promises. This was a game changer for my spiritual acceleration when it came to being spiritually healthy. If you are on an improper foundation when you're working out physically, you're likely to hurt yourself when you're exercising. And it's the same spiritually. We need a, a, a promise that we can stand on and count on and build off of. And here I'm gonna suggest is the single first promise you need to lock down in your mind and heart and it sounds so simple, and you're gonna be thinking, I came here for that, but you need it. It's locking down in your heart and mind that God loves you. See, if you don't lock that down first, all of the spiritual habits I'm gonna talk about will be you trying to earn God's love. They're not meant to help you earn favor with God or earn more of God's love. These habits are made to meant to, they're designed to help reveal more of God's love to you. So you need to lock down from the very beginning. God loves you, friend, just the way you are. We like how we sing that. He understands you. He knows you. He loves you. In fact, don't believe me. Listen to Jesus here. He says this, anyone here who what I am saying right now and aligns my, himself with the Father has at this very, very moment the real lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider. This person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. When we believe in Jesus and we align our lives with him, he's saying this, you need to remember and build a foundation on this. God not only loves you, you're already in. And I say that because performance-based spirituality creates very insecure Christians. And it's about a relationship with Jesus. 
If you've ever been in an insecure relationship, you already know it can never be a healthy one. You need to lock this down. See, sometimes I think we get in our mind that someday we put our faith and trust in Jesus and we're in this long lineup and the pearly gates are there. We've died and we're waiting to get in. At some point in life, we said, Jesus, I trust you. I'm going to follow you. So we're in this lineup. And, you know, you're waiting for someone to ask you a question to get in. And then the closer you get to your turn, you're kind of starting to sweat. Like, can I do enough good in this life? Did I attend church? I skipped church a lot. I prayed. Did I pray? I did a lot of bad things in this life. And Jesus is basically saying, get that out of your mind. You're not even in that line. When you're a follower of Jesus, you're already in. You're already in. That when our lives are done, it's settled. You're not in that line. You don't need to be unsure. It's in this life we turn to Jesus and we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I accept you. I want you. Be the leader of my life. And we will do it imperfectly, but we need to settle this in our hearts. When we have given leadership of our lives to Jesus, that, you never need to be insecure that God loves you. He loves you. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you never have to actually be insecure that God loves you. God loves you. But as a follower of Jesus, how much more should you be secure in knowing that I'm in? I'm in. And when you build on that foundation of trust and acceptance, your salvation then isn't built on your love for God, but his love for you. Very different. So let's go into another promise. This is another one that I built my life on that Jesus says. He says, my sheep recognize my voice. I like this. I know them. He knows you, friend. He knows exactly how you think. He knows your insecurities. He knows your overconfidence. He knows your pride issues. He knows your insecure issues. He knows them. And they follow me. I give them real and eternal life. So real life in this life, I will help them live a real life. Another version of scripture, another verse will say uh, an abundant life, an eternal life. They are protected from the destroyer for good. Keeps going. Now, you got to say this loud with me, these first two words. No one. Say it again because you got to believe it. No one. Even the balcony, just the balcony today. Say no one. No one. Okay, no one can steal them from out of my hand. The father who put them under my care is so much, say it with me, greater than the destroyer and the thief. Who can pluck you out of God's hand? There's a security that comes from that. See, this is where it changed for me spiritually. I'm a little bit of an achiever, a little bit of a pleaser. And I want to please people, and I want to please God, and, I, and I'm hungry to do it, but I'm flawed. I know that's shocking today, but I have some flaws in me. And here's the problem. My spirituality was always me trying to hold on to God. I'm trying to hold on to God, but you know, I'm sinning, so I'm kind of letting go of God, and, and I'm struggling, and, I, and then I get bad circumstances going on in my life, and I'm thinking like, oh, I'm trying to hold on to God. And Jesus is saying, you got it all wrong. It's not you holding on to God. It's me holding on to you. And I love what Billy Graham's associate, George Beverly Shea, would say. Billy Graham was a famous evangelist, if you've never heard of him, but I'm sure most of us have. His, his associate, George Beverly Shea, would say, God's grip don't slip. Would you say that with me? God's grip don't slip. Say it again. God's grip don't slip. 
what security we should have in our relationship with Jesus, recognizing it's not you holding on to him. He's got you. And his grip, it don't slip. Even when you're not living in such a way that it looks like maybe you don't have him, he's got you. He might let you fall a few times so you recognize, because you, sure, you might be the type of person that only changes and turns back to him through pain. So he'll allow you to experience as much as you need to, to be back where you belong in the Father's house. And so this is part of understanding how God bases our relationships on these promises. See, my spiritual health cannot be based on my feelings. My spiritual foundation cannot be my circumstances. If you make it your feelings or your circumstances, here's the problem. You will have a volatile, insecure relationship with God the rest of your life. And you know what that hurt? You know, that's just painful. You don't need to go that way. Discover the promises of God. I put a little link at the bottom of your notes there, the onechurch.to slash declarations. These are the declarations I gave you last New Year's Eve. I take them taped up in my bathroom right next to the mirror. So every morning when I'm getting out of the shower and I'm looking at those promises, I begin to declare them over my life. I remind myself of what my foundation is. God loves me even when I can't love me. God loves me maybe when other people don't love me. God loves me. And you know, you know what? His grip don't slip. And then, then all of a sudden, I have, and if you don't anchor this foundation right, all the habits I'm going to share with you, you're going to be doing them trying to get God to love you. And it will create this insecurity. So we got to settle this. Let's move into the next one because time. Boldly declare your faith decision by being baptized. This is an exercise Jesus says, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we should do this next. This should be part of our exercise. In Romans 6, the Apostle Paul talks about this. He says, that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a new way of life. What he's saying is this, when you're baptized, you're publicly declaring that you are uh, identifying with the death of Jesus. You're saying he died and he rose from the grave. You're also saying, my old life, it's gone, it's buried. And now I'm a follower of Jesus. I've taken the God life on. Here's the improper understanding of baptism. Baptism does not make you a believer, friends. It doesn't. It shows you're a believer. Baptism can't save you. It can't get you to heaven. Baptism declares that you're headed to heaven and that you're saved. I heard a minister use this illustration years ago. And I, I loved it so much, I've never forgotten it. But he talked about how baptism is a little like a wedding ring. And I, I was thinking of this. Like, I, I, I got down on one knee 26 years ago. And I said to Shelley, would you marry me? And I had a ring in my hand. Now, Putting a ring on my fourth finger doesn't make me married, does it? You could do that today. You could put a ring on your fourth finger, it doesn't make you married. And if I lost this ring, it doesn't make me unmarried, does it? Good thing, because I lost it on our honeymoon. I did, I was swimming in the water, the ring flew off, I get out of the water, we got off to a rocky start, we did. <laughs> it was just like, uh... now here's the thing. If I had gotten down on that knee 26 years ago, and I said, Shelly, I'm committed to you, I love you, I want you to be my wife. 
but I don't want anyone to know. <laughs> Let's not wear rings. Let's just keep it between us. Uh, what do you think Shelley's response would be? I'd be still on my knees 26 years later waiting because she'd be like, figure it out. Come back to me when you figure it out, pal. Here's the thing with baptism. Baptism doesn't make you married, doesn't make you saved. Doesn't make you saved. You can be a believer and not be baptized for sure. But baptism makes a declaration. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed about this relationship I have with Jesus. And I'm going to publicly declare it. And Jesus asks us to take this next step because we can't be all in unless we, if we're hiding it. We're not all in. I'm not all in if I wasn't willing to put a ring on Shelly's finger and stand in front of people and make promises to her. And we can't be all in if we're not willing to get wet for Jesus. You see, here's some reasons why. Jesus did it. And when he was 30 years old, it's never too late to get baptized. And he, he, he was baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River. God commands that we're baptized. There's another good reason. So it's an obedience issue. But here's the one that struck, strikes me the most. I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me in front of his father. In Matthew 10, he says these words. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth... I will also deny them before my Father in heaven. Who should be baptized? Anyone who believes. But pastor, my life isn't what it should be. Welcome to the club. Mine isn't either. And it will never be until we see him and he has perfected us and we're made... That's going to be a glorious day. Until then, we all need to recognize we're all very imperfect people trying to figure this out together. And so it's not based on that. But pastor, I might sin again. No, 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 not might. You will. <laughs> you will. I will. We all will. It's not based on that. Baptism, we, we're baptized because we're publicly declaring that the projection of my life is towards Jesus. So how do you do that? Well, you know, I've got some good news for you. Next week, we're going to be baptizing people in all of our gatherings. And that could be you gets really quiet, right? Here, here's, here's how you could consider doing it. If not this one, maybe the next one. Go to our next steps lounge and, and just say, I'm, I want to I look into getting baptized. You don't have to commit. There's no big commitment. I, I want to consider being baptized. Or go to onechurch.to slash baptism and register there. It doesn't mean you're going to be baptized. What you're going to receive is an email from one of our pastors that's going to have a little teaching attached to it video-wise so you can view it in the comfort of your home, get a little better understanding of what baptism means. Then you're going to get a call from one of our pastors, probably Pastor Austin Moore, and he's, going to, he's a nice man too. He'll be good to you. And he'll probably listen to what Jesus did in your life, tell you exactly what it's like. And then in our baptisms, we film a little you just saying you're a follower of Jesus because we know some people talking in front of crowds, they have a lot of anxiety about that. So we film it so they don't have to. We want to walk with you and hold your hand and help you as you follow Jesus in that next step of obedience. And we've done all we can to help you do that. And I want to encourage you, take that next step. So build a solid foundation. Consider being baptized. Here's your third one. Be, be at worship gatherings. Now, look at you. You're all here today. So you know what I think? You should turn around, whoever's sitting next to you, and high-five them and say, you did it. Go ahead. High-five the people around you. Go ahead. If you're online, just anyone sitting next to you, high-five them. Even if you're on the bus and they don't know why you're doing it, just high-five them. 
You know, you're here. You're in a worship gathering. That's fantastic that you're here. Why should this be a regular thing? Because life has a way of taking and drawing from your spiritual resources and energies. And you need strategic moments of refilling them. Now, you could do it on your own, and and some of that's good. Actually, that's a very good habit. But whether you know it or not, being in gatherings like this is strategically significant. When Pastor Richard leads us in worship, you're not the audience he's trying to entertain. God is our audience. When I come in to sit to begin to worship God, I'm not here looking to see what they're going to do. I'm, I'm a participant, and I'm performing for Jesus. And I'm saying, Jesus, you are worthy. Even if I don't like some of the songs, I'm looking to Jesus, and I'm looking beyond it, and I'm finding truth in it, and I'm worshiping Jesus with my church family. I know this. Things happen in community that don't happen in isolation. So it's not just that. It's those points of prayer. Wasn't that a beautiful prayer Pastor Matt led us in? Just a, I felt like he was preaching there and so much good truth there. And I get to agree in faith. And you know when we agree in faith together, it's powerful things change. So we pray together. We worship together. We gather. We start to look out for each other together. And we need a regularity of that in our life. All of the habits that lead to health have some form of regularity. Unlike the baptism one, which is a one thing we, time we do it, we're baptized once. This is something we need to do with greater regularity to fill our tank. Here's the goal of every gathering that I'm ever a part of if I have an opportunity to lead it. I sure want you to feel encouraged because life beats up on you. And I hope you leave here feeling encouraged every week. But I sure want to challenge you because I would never want you to be complacent in your relationship with Jesus. I want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. So make it a regular part of your pattern. Here's the fourth one. Be prayerful to experience peace. We talked about stress earlier in the gathering. Stress has a a way of destroying the inner fabric of your spiritual man, your spiritual woman. Stress has a way of driving you towards unhealthy practices and even habits in your own life. Uh, being prayerful is what produces peace. I've tried all kinds of strategies because I'm like you. I feel stress. I've had a really stressful week this week. It was just busy, man, busy, busy, busy. And so sometimes I go running. I do all kinds of things. I can tell you this after I've been a follower of Jesus for decades now. There is nothing like prayer, nothing I've ever done that produces more peace than prayer in my life. Here's why the Apostle Paul captures it so well. He says this, don't worry about wow don't worry about anything take all of that energy you're using to worry and fret you know in fact people who worry a lot and sometimes they worry and they think they're worrying for good reasons sometimes it really does reveal how much we trust God in prayer don't worry about anything instead about what you could pray about everything Anything that's on your heart or mind, bring it to God in prayer. So don't worry about anything. Instead, take all that energy and move it towards prayer about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Goes on to say, then you will. This is a promise. Ooh, I love when you get promises. You need to hold on to this one. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His 
peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What a promise, friends. What a promise. You don't get that promise from your circumstances. You get that promise from Jesus. And it's through prayer that we experience it. And this is one of those habits, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to grow spiritually healthy, you need to do daily. And now I've lost half the room. Some of you are really good at this. Others of you are like me. It was hard for me to get good at this. So I'm going to give you, I don't think I've given these two tips. I've given one of one of them before. I'm going to give you two tips that has helped me develop a prayer life. The first is this. Pray shorter prayers. Pray shorter prayers. Don't think length of time. Think frequency in your day. So it starts by, if you're brand new to this, let me give you your first prayer that you could pray. It's a one-word prayer. Help. Then when you get good at that, you can go to a two-word prayer. Forgive me. Or one that I use throughout my day. Thank you. Or if you're raising teenagers, give me wisdom so I don't kill them. You know, it's just, uh, you know, there's all kinds of prayers. Here's what I mean by this. You need to try to insert prayer throughout your day as much as possible. So don't make it into, I've got to do it for an hour. If you're good at it, great. Do it. Just start thinking, how do I pray shorter prayers more frequently through my day? That opened the tap for me to develop a much better prayer life. That just opened the way that I got in the habit of turning to Jesus when I was in trouble. I've had that prayer going when I'm in meetings, when I'm on phone calls, when I'm making a phone call, God give me wisdom. God give me discernment. Uh, you know, it's, uh, and, and then the praise part, and thank you when I hang up or whatever. That's something, when that's a part of your life and your daily rhythm, you'll grow in prayer. So that's the first tip. The second tip I've talked about before, but pray your own prayers. Pray in your own voice. In the last gathering, I said, you know, even if you're like one of those engineering type people that has a monotone voice, pray your own prayer in your own tone, in your own voice. And I got a text message from after the last service from my brother-in-law, who's an engineer, and he said, monotone voice. <laughs> I'm saying, listen, if you're emotive and expressive, pray in your personality. Pray with your voice. If you're quiet and you're shyer, pray in that voice. If you don't see people don't think you have any emotions, pray in that voice. Jesus loves your voice. Your voice. So pray in a way that fits you. Here's the fifth one. Become a part of a community group. Uh, I'll tell you why right now. And here's what happens in our community groups. We take the weekend teaching and we edit it down to like a seven-minute recap. And then we give it out to our groups. They watch it and then they answer questions around it. But the goal of the group is not more Bible study. The goal of every community group is encouragement. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews. It says this, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. We want to encourage you. And here's the truth for me and likely for you. I've said it to my boys uh, practically their whole lives. I tell them all the time. We become like the people we spend the most time with. You think they're becoming like you. You're becoming like them. That may be good news and that may be bad news. But I know this, that my spiritual growth, and it's probably the way I'm wired, has been most influenced by having people in my life that are also wanting to grow in their faith. I feel challenged. 
Whenever a new couple's getting married, I always say, you got to make a couple of couple friends that are a little further ahead than you. Here's why. Because you get around them and you start seeing how they behave and you realize, oh, I could do better here. <laughs> or, or maybe that was a good idea. And I'm learning from them so I can keep growing in faith. Well, our groups are designed that way. Now, there's lots of reasons why you might not want to be a part of a community group. And let me give you reasons why you probably don't want to. You're busy, right? We're busy. I, I, again, no one in Toronto isn't. We're all busy. So making room and making time might be like spending energy and time. Oh, wait, that's First Timothy. Well, it might cost us something. Okay, I get that. But here's another real reason. Some of us are introverts. And we think of being in another group and how it depletes you. And that's very real. I get that. Some of you suffer from vulnerability-itis. It's not a real condition, but you're afraid you'll get into a group and everyone will start joining hands and start singing Kumbaya. And you'll be like, this is not me. <laughs> Some of you don't want to be in groups because you're afraid you won't have answers to all the questions. I want you to know our groups then are perfect for you because none of us do. Uh, listen, I want you to know we'll never make you feel uncomfortable. In fact, I'd love to, I dare you to try it once. In fact, on January 15th, 2020, uh, Jerry Sen and Daniel Lung, two people who run our groups ministry here, they're hosting a night where you can try a group for one day. You could just show up, no commitment. You can say, that's not for me, and at least you tried it. But it's a day where if you're not a part of a community group, you can just show up for one day trial. See what it's like. It's like going to a gym membership. They give you a one day pass. You get to see if you like it or not before you journey with it. You can go to the Next Steps Lounge, you can register that way, or you can just show up that night and we'll, we'll host you that night. Let's keep going, we gotta keep going though. Next truth, banquet on God's word. Remember I talked about some of our faith is exercising our faith, some of it is feeding our faith, consuming. If your only meal of the week is in a weekend gathering, you're putting a lot of pressure on this moment to nourish you spiritually. We'll disappoint you. Because we can't possibly give you enough food in a gathering like this to help you become more spiritually healthy. Jesus says this well. He says this, people do not live by bread alone. So it's not just about your physical lives here, friends. But every that comes from the mouth of God. See, if you're truly in a relationship with Jesus and your health is based on this relationship with Jesus, you need to hear from him. You need to listen to him. Now, we're all designed differently. If you're, a, if you're a person who loves words, then this might be an easier habit for you. But if you're somebody else that like, I never liked school at all. I was glad when I got, when they said you graduated and you thought, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I get it. Uh, this is why we highly recommend this app around this church, the YouVersion app. You can go to the, one of these stores and just download it. I'll tell you why. Many people are audio learners. And this has, you can actually have the Bible reading to you when you're going to work. Just reading some of the scripture to you. You can get a verse a day. You can go into Bible reading plans that are specifically designed for seasons. Like if you're grieving, they have reading plans that will encourage you as you're grieving. If you're angry, has plans that'll help you with your anger. If you feel guilt all the time, they have plans that'll help you. It's really robust. And if you press the events button and search One Church TO, you'll find all of our weekend message notes there. We journey through this app. We use it. So I would encourage you, however you eat, whether it's on the go or in long periods of study, whatever it is, think of it as a daily habit, just like you do with prayer. This will help you become spiritually more healthy. 
Okay, next one. We're almost done. Seventh, be active in serving others. This is one of those exercise components. This is doing. This is faith building through doing. This is us using what God has given us to bless others. So if doing is moving and moving is serving, then serving is exercise. I wonder, with all these spiritual habits, I'm talking to people who've been followers of Jesus for decades here, and some of you haven't even started deciding to follow Jesus. I know this about all of you. Some of you are better at some of them than others. I wonder how many of you, this is the step you need to take to unleash health in your life. You're doing well in some other areas, but this is one of those habits that you're going, this is the one I need to lean in on. This might be just that one. Okay, let's keep moving. Oh, wait, there's a great verse attached to this. Let me give you this one. I liked it. Paul's talking to the church in Galatia, and the Galatians have just experienced grace, but they're tempted to get back under legalism and work their faith out. And he said, he's reminding them through the whole book, you're free now, you're free, you're free, you're free. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And he's reminding them of these truths. And then he says, here's what you should do with that freedom now. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. I wonder if you're the answer to someone's prayer. I wonder if you're the answer to someone's prayer, but you haven't started to do this discipline and habit, and so you're still waiting to be served than to serve others. This might be the biggest eureka moment. You can go to onechurch.to slash serve, go to our Next Steps Lounge, find a place to get involved in serving others. Here's the last one. Bolster your heart by giving regularly. Now, how many have used the word bolster this last week? You know where I got that word. Have you noticed every one of these spiritual habits starts with the letter B? Did you notice that? If you didn't, then, oh man, all that work was for nothing. <laughs> I'm trying to make it memorable. It probably didn't help. And so I'm, I have my thesaurus open because I'm trying to find a word for support or strengthen, or encourage, and I find the word bolster. I'm thinking like, when was the last time I used the word bolster? But we did this weekend. Now, you just try to, this is something you could do this week, just try to insert it in a sentence somewhere at work. Well, we need to bolster up the bottom line. You know, just find a way to do it. And if you're able to do it, tap me on the shoulder next week. And if you're in a, a fight with someone, you can just say, you know, uh, we need to really bolster up the love for one another. You'll lose them in that moment, and which will be great. Then you can control the conversation. No, okay. Here's the thing. Bolster your heart by giving regularly. Think of this as your cardiovascular system. This is your spiritual cardio exercising, according to Jesus. This is the one exercise that strengthens your heart heart. Here's how he said it. The place where you're, you're supposed to be talking with me. The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. That's a drop the mic verse. The place where your treasure is, is where you're going to most want to be. And where you most want to be is going to, where you're, is going to be where you end up. That could be really good news. That might not be such good news. But Jesus attaches to this, and you'll see it through another scripture in a moment, that giving is one of those things that brings our hearts in line with God's values. Because God values generosity. God is generous towards us. 
and it strengthens us. But just like other things, probably the key is regularity. Regular giving is the best form. I'm a person that could easily be driven by the in the moment I feel it. Yeah, anyone like that here? So sometimes when I watch movies with the guys and it's like a sports movie and someone overcame great odds and they want to, I want to go and work out. Because I see them and I think, I could be that. I could never be that. But, but, but you know, I, I get motivated to go work out or something. Uh, I think I've, I have so many impulses. But if I build my spiritual health on impulses alone, I know this. I'll be very inconsistent if I only serve when I feel like it, friends. Yeah, how many know we have something in us that wants to be served, not to serve? If I only give when I feel moved to give, what kind of life am I building in terms of exercising my heart? The Apostle Paul leans into this more than anyone else in Scripture, and he wrote this. He said, on every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something from what you've earned during the week and use it for this offering, the amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you. So it's not all of us giving the same way, but I like this. He's talking about this needs to be regular. This needs to be regular if you're going to grow that part of your heart. See, what it does is it grows your faith part. It grows your faith because you're trusting God. It's helping you recognize and you're acknowledging every good and perfect gift that comes from you anyway. It aligns your heart and praise and worship for him. And it exercises that part of your heart so you're not impulse exercising you're doing sustainable exercising. Sustainable. Uh, my wife gives through text giving and we, she wanted it set up so it just automatically happens. Because it's something that sometimes we forget. But to keep exercising the heart that way all the time. So when you give, things change. So Global Focus Weekends were a couple weekends ago. And you know we invite you to give as a congregation. And I had this conversation with one of our seniors. She's probably in the service right now, and I won't mention her name. She came up to me. She's on a fixed income. And she, we had just had an election. Do you remember that? You still recovering from that? <laughs> and she worked, she volunteered or worked uh, and earned money during the, for that election. And she had come to church that day, wanted to give some of that towards the global focus. But she was so moved by the man from Mongolia that spoke and the challenge that was there. She came up to me after she go and she's just sharing with me and she's just so excited. And she said, I just felt Jesus say, give it all. So I was like, wow, like I was moved because I knew this was a truly a sacrifice. And so I went home to Shelly and I just, you know, we were kind of deciding what we're going to give. And I was just thinking like, well, maybe we should do more. And Shelly's like, how much? Because she's miserly and I'm generous. I'm generous. And yeah, um, it's, a, um, it's a fault of mine. I'm just so generous. Yeah. She's not at all. But it, I shared that story with Shelly and we were both just challenged. Just challenged. What a privilege to give. And this woman is leaning in to give out of what God has already given. And I know this her heart's grown, her faith is growing. See, the Bible says this, next verse, you must each decide in your heart. It's a heart issue, cardiovascular issue, how much to give. You don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I would hate it. Listen, if people, have you ever had those charities that pressure you? I remember a charity, I won't, which will name, be unnamed, but they phoned once the house and they were asking me to give to something. I was saying, oh, not right now. And they're going like, oh, you don't care about children? 
They said that. And I was like, exactly. No, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't say that at all. But you know, pressure just pushes me away. Pressure just pushes me away. Friends, I never want you to ever feel pressure to give. Because the key is not reluctantly giving. The key is found in the next part. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That means freely. That they realize this is a privilege, not have to, get to moment. And this is a spiritual habit that builds in greater spiritual health. So here's where we're going to go. I want to pray for you today. And at the end of our prayer, I'm going to invite you to stand. And Pastor Richard and the team is going to lead us in that song where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. And I would love you to take a minute and listen to the words as we sing. And I would like you, it doesn't matter what your personality or your preference is, I would love you to honor Jesus with this song of the freedom he has brought into your life. And at tonight at six o'clock, Pastor Keith is gonna be teaching on physical healing. We're gonna have worship. I'd invite you to be a part of this. We're believing God. Our elders have been praying in preparation. Our prayer team, our staff have been praying. And we're gonna be here praying even before you get here tonight, preparing to minister to the people that God will bring. I'd encourage you to lean in tonight and do that. Let me pray for you. Well, Father, I hope everyone heard today loud and clear that you love them. God, I love them, but that matters little compared to your love. You love every person in this room. You love us warts and all. (laughs) You know us and you love us. And God, for everyone who's a follower of Jesus right now, help us to build a more secure foundation that we don't build an insecure relationship with you, but we would trust you. We would know that when we trust and accept Jesus, that is a change-making moment in our life, and we needn't be insecure about our relationship with you. God, these habits, every one of us would have one place we could take a next step. Holy Spirit, would you do what I can't do? I can't apply this to each person's life. Only you can. So would you take the truths of the scriptures, the words, and apply it to all of our lives differently so that we'd all know we have something to do that could lead us to greater spiritual health today. God, We say in conclusion, we trust you. And in response to your love, we say, thank you. Thank you for loving a sinner such as I. Thank you for loving broken people just like us. Thank you for seeing us in our mess and coming to get us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.